is your state on the list of rich states or on the list of poor states? And here's the bigger question is how can poor states become rich states? And what does it mean to you? Because yeah, it does affect your bank account personally. We're going to discuss that in just about 15 minutes. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thanks for staying with us here on American Viewpoints. Okay. Have you heard all the stories in the news? I know you have. Do we have a student loan crisis? We've got politicians running saying we need to eliminate the student loan crisis. And if you took out those loans, man, we're going to wipe those things out. We're going to fix this because students shouldn't be in debt for college. Well, why shouldn't you be in debt for college? You're buying something. I'm joined now by uh, Dr. Howard Wall. He is with the Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise, which is at Lindawood University in St. Charles, Missouri. And you're the director of the uh, Hammond Institute, Howard. That's right. I'm the, I'm the boss of, of all those folks. Now, you're also <laughs> a former vice president of the St. Louis Fed. That's right. And, and in addition to being an economics professor. And more importantly, like me, you have uh, at least one child in college. Yes, indeed. And I fortunately have not had to uh, take out student loans because I uh, saved beforehand. So we hear the term, we have a student loan crisis. Howard, do we have a student loan crisis that is going to wreck the economy? Uh, I would say we have a student loan problem, not a crisis. I think a lot of the rhetoric about it being a crisis is uh, pandering. And there are certain politicians out there trying to uh, buy votes by promising to wipe out loans, for example, and uh, and you have to make it into a crisis if you're going to do something dramatic like that. So what would be the harm in doing that? I mean, uh, I may say, okay, well, it doesn't affect me. Um, So if somebody else's debt is wiped off, it just puts them in a better position to go make a career. What's the problem with that? Well, the uh, amount of student loans out there held by the federal government is about one and a half trillion dollars. So that's, oh, little more than a third of the U.S. uh, federal budget. So that's a, a lot of money. And you just don't wipe it out. You just don't erase it. It still has to be uh, paid for somehow. And then it'll be a burden that falls on the uh, taxpayers. So we'd all be paying uh, somehow for it, even if it looks like you just they just disappear. I think a lot of times we start to think of these numbers as just on a spreadsheet and not actual money, because when we pay that student loan back, it oftentimes a ridiculous interest rate. Uh, that's actually what's funding future student loans. Right. No, exactly. The federal government brings in uh, lots of money by doing these loans. So the federal government does almost all of the the, the student loans out there, and they get a return on that. So without that money coming in, it's you know, then the future loans are not being financed. We've exactly. got a couple of questions here. One is the economic argument, which is what we're hearing in the political arena. And then there's the other one. When I first heard uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren say, we're going to wipe out all these student loans, I thought, well, wait a minute, I busted my butt to pay off my own student loans. That's not fair. And maybe that's not the right way to look at it from an economic perspective. But what what is there about this process that does get people in so deep? Because we've seen the news stories, you know, some some 20-whatever-year-old holding a sign saying, I'm $100,000 in debt and I only make you know $28,000 a year. And they say, this is who we have to help, Howard. Well, for, first I'll point out, uh, go back to like Senator Warren's plan. The, these plans of wiping out the debt are incredibly regressive because it turns out that the well-off people are the ones who have taken out the most loans. Because to take out that much, you know, $100,000 in loans, it means that uh, you have maxed out on the federal loans and you've gone into private loans. So uh, huge amounts of the loans are actually to doctors, lawyers, and people getting master's degrees. And they're the ones with the really high balances for the most part. Although there are individuals who made some really incredibly stupid decisions to invest in you know, a gender studies degree at an Ivy League school on, on their own dime. 
Uh, but going back to how people get into this mess, it is a, it's a really good question. And uh, you look and you say the, the federal maximum, so the maximum for federal loans is about $57,000 over four years. So if you get a four-year degree, that's what you can max out uh, from federal loans. And that's if they're subsidized or not subsidized. But there are people with much higher uh, loan limits. But the average is still about thirty thousand. So if we just think about the typical person of thirty thousand, that's still quite a quite a burden it's when a you're lot. just coming yeah. out and you have to start start paying right away. Especially with that that compound interest. Right. Exactly. Because it uh, unless it's a subsidized loan, the interest starts accruing right after you take out the out the loan. So that's an incredible burden that you have to pay off within ten years. If you're earning, a, you know, if you have a decent job and you get out of college of say forty, forty-five thousand dollars a year. So let's talk about what do we do about it. But more importantly, let's talk to the parents. Let's talk to maybe the grandparents who are trying to plan for their kids' f- futures. Because I think for a lot of lot of people, it's just oh well, we'll just apply for the loans and then you get to go to college. And but what do we need to be thinking of down the road? Not just from a taxpayer's perspective, but we do want young people to have an opportunity to get the education they need. Oh, absolutely. And in principle, student loans are a, a, a good way to do it because uh, getting an education is an investment, not necessarily a financial investment, but largely one. Uh, and you should be making a decision based on it as an investment. And you know, 18-year-olds can't just get loans. Uh, not everyone can, and not everyone's parents can. And you know, some government help to do that is not a, a terrible idea. And in, in principle, the economics of it is pretty good because it's an investment. You look at the risk, you look at the returns, then you get a loan, and then you those risks and returns pan out, and then you you have a, a an income stream for the rest of your life. The problem is that the link between those decisions uh, is not the same as in a, a private loan market, like when you're buying a car, because uh, first of all, you're you know might be 18 years old and you have very little fiscal responsibility, and there's an awful lot of fiscal illiteracy. I mean, among adults, full-grown 30-year-olds, yeah. uh, never mind 18-year-olds. Uh, so then, what do we do? Ab- about it. At this point, you know, we're talking about there's a problem. Others call it a crisis. You're saying, yeah, we're not a crisis. We're a problem level. What should we change right now? Not just for the, the those who have the student loans, but for the taxpayers as well. Well, for, uh, well, there's two things. One is just how the student loans uh, are set up, why it is that people are taking these loans. So unless we address the cause of the problem, then we'll just be revisiting this in in five years if we do anything to solve it now and on that front it's i think that the universities have to do a better job of disciplining the the students because the universities do have a part in saying how much people can uh can borrow and uh, yeah but it's not in their their self-interest to say no oh it's absolutely not in their self-interest in fact they've benefited greatly from this because uh, tuition is much higher, administration has really expanded a lot, and much of the increase in uh, tuition and fees has been attributed to the increase in availability of loans and other uh, financial aid. Well, yeah, if the government says, you know what, what you're doing is just so darn important, we're going to guarantee you get paid, why wouldn't you raise your prices? Well, and, and also the amount that a student can get depends on what the university is charging. So you can get more money and larger loans uh, 
if you're at a very expensive university. So the, there's just perverse uh, incentives that are really causing a lot of the a lot of the problem. Plus, you know, uh, there's surveys done about what students understand when they're taking out these loans, and uh, huge percentages do not even know that the loans aren't dischargeable in bankruptcy or that it will harm their credit score. So I think some of it is educating, but I think the university might be be able to play a role. So we really need parents to learn about the dynamics and economics of this, and we need students to learn before they get to college age. So it sounds to me like we need some more economics and finance um, education at the high school level leading up to this. Well, that would that would certainly help. Uh, and then maybe the teachers would know better, the guidance counselors and the parents and the students. Okay, so if people do want to learn more about whether these studies are about what uh, you know, you at the Hammond Institute are are doing as far as researching education. How do they get in touch? Because the Hammond Institute, based in Missouri, but it's more of a kind of Midwestern regional uh, think tank. Yeah, we we certainly do regional stuff, and some of the stuff is national, international, especially economic uh, education. And the the best way to see what we're doing is just go, you can Google Hammond Institute, St. Charles, Missouri, or Lindenwood, or go to the website HammondInstitute.org. dot uh, org. All right, Dr. Howard Wall, Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise. Uh, thanks for the update. And bottom line is, is that we can blame government, but we have to be responsible too. Exactly. Oh, man, people don't <laughs> like to hear that. All right, so there you have it, Hammond.Institute. And just ahead, let's talk a little bit more about finance and economics, rich states and poor states. What makes one or the other when it comes to your government and your state's economy. And after that, what you need to know about the tragedy that is hiding in plain sight all around us. And I'm talking about human trafficking. We're not going to talk about statistics. We're going to talk about people. And we're going to talk to somebody who survived being a human trafficking victim for 17 years. That's all ahead on American Viewpoints. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.